Oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> We got to my place, could not find the soundboard. Which was in the living room. Which was oh. in the living room, yeah. under a box. That was that was the confusion. I just don't understand where it could be. <laughs> I was looking in closets. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, this All we found is. was R. Kelly. We left him there. Good. <laughs> oh, man. I, think I don't I, know. If he was in the closet, we'd probably get some money for him. He's supposed to be in jail. Well, Maybe. What if he just like peed on you as soon as you open the closet door? Just he's just in there constantly peeing. Yeah, or just like or pinching like, it. And yeah, like oh god. <laughs> oh, it's like it's like a hose. It's just backing up. <laughs> Thank you for opening. <laughs> just uh, fear pee. Yeah, I think I'm gonna bring back, and I hate to do it, just in light of everything that he's you know involved in, but bringing back my trap Tuesdays. What? Go on. That's where I listened to the entire 26-part series of Trapped in the Closet. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming loudly for everyone else to hear. Uh, it usually was, because I was in charge of like music in the warehouse or something. So, uh, No one should give you any amount of power. One time. One time I just put on an hour-long playlist of babies crying. <laughs> <laughs> and my boss was like... <laughs> Nick, literally put on anything else. Put on put on animals because he knows I like the Pink Floyd album, Animals. And uh, I was like, okay. So I just put on an hour-long playlist of animals screaming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you sound like a nightmare. <laughs> uh, I'm a great coworker. Speaking Speaking of nightmares, welcome to ours. Welcome back to Cage Match. Colon. Colon. Oh, oh yeah. Peter right. was just making a weird, like, scissoring motion at me. I'm like, oh, it's the two dots. Yeah, I see it now. Just uh, timbers. <laughs> yeah. uh, welcome back to Cage Match, colon, a roundabout way of meeting Nicolas Cage. I am your host, Sean, with my other host, Nick. I'm Nick. And our producer. Hi, I'm Peter. And we are here to talk about the films of Nicolas Cage, America's greatest actor. Until we can meet him, and then we'll stop. We promise. It's more of a threat at this point. He could it? end this. Yeah. yeah. You can end this whenever you want, Nick. Peter, why do we do this again? Because we love suffering. And each other. <laughs> I love each other's suffering. <laughs> yeah, so this is a 64 Nick Cage movies bracket style. Um, we match them up kind of based on serious roles, funny, fucking weird. Um, this is the fucking weird bracket. Um, Lucky you. Yeah. And um, we've got Looking Glass and Color Out of Space. These two came out around about, around about the same time. Looking Glass 2018, Color Out of Space 2020. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, uh, as Peter said, we are in the fucking weird category. And both of these movies were fucking weird. Um, one for good reasons and good weird. The other one not. For sexy reasons. I mean. Was it even sexy though? There was that one scene with the dominatrix. Uh, that was, by, I'm just going to say it now, that was the worst S&M I've ever seen. I had to yeah. get right on the internet and make sure that was fake. By doing extensive studying. Mm -hmm. I watched a lot of adult documentaries that night. There you mm -hmm. go. Yeah. So since we're there, let's discuss Looking Glass. Yeah, let's do that. Nick. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Looking Glass in brief is 
about a couple who buys a motel desert or a desert motel and they find some strange weird shit and it just kind of happens around there that's that's the whole movie honestly <laughs> yeah with 10 percent more suspense yeah. and <laughs> i mean you've got so you've got nick cage's ray his wife robin tooney is maggie Mark Blucas as Howard. And he, that's really all you need to know. That's kind no, of it. no way. Mark Blucas. Fuck that. It's all about Ernie Lively as Tommy. Yeah, Tommy kind of ruled. Which uh, one was Tommy? The trucker. The trucker. Oh, but, yeah. Like, that he, guy, had, he had the best quote of the entire movie. We'll, we'll give you that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. He has like the largest, I don't know, not necessarily filmography, but credit bank out of anybody else. Aside from Nick Cage. Okay, I was like, even Nick Cage? Wow. No, I mean, he had like a hundred and twenty some odd. Yeah, he's a like, fairly appearances. prolific actor. Mostly TV, yeah. but definitely. Speaking of television, uh, this yeah. director, a lot of television. I think he's directed maybe three feature-length films, but everything else has been random episodes of TV. Mm-hmm. There's hundreds of things uh, in his IMDb database for directing, but it's an episode of Riverdale, three episodes of Twin Peaks. This yeah. this movie really could have benefited from being a 30 or 45 minute TV show. Yes. Yeah, or like a two and a half hour long movie with a better script. But I mean, it's it's got what it's got. It's, it's yeah. And I don't think the dialogue or the pacing is terrible. It's mostly the fact that nothing happens. Yeah, for a suspense thriller, it's hard to feel any suspense or thrill. Uh, so the weird thing that happens early on in this film is Nick Cage while finds a crawl space in a storage uh, closet that goes behind the two-way mirror in room 10. A couple weeks ago, we watched the movie Barbarian. Oh, yeah. And like instantly when he finds that tunnel, I'm like, don't go in that fucking tunnel. You know what's in that tunnel. <laughs> Weird long boob ladies. Also, who named two-way mirrors that? Because it's very confusing. It's kind of a one-way mirror and then a window. Well, it's... Now, don't quote me on this. Not a mirror scientist. But I think it's because you can look at it two different ways. If you look at a normal mirror from the back, you're not looking at it. That's some big brain shit. I like that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what you get when you have... Somebody who's been through... Ten plus years of higher education. <laughs> That's why Josh pays you the minimal bucks. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Here's your one call out per episode. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, patron Josh. <laughs> and maybe someday soon, recurring patron Sean. <laughs> yeah, we'll but see. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> what? One of the things that was killing me about this movie is that fake fucking beard that they slapped on Nick Cage. It looks so shitty. Is that fake or did he just Dude, it is 100% fake. That thing is so weak. Hmm. He looks like fucking budget Chris Evans. Yeah. What, Sexiest Man Alive Chris Evans? So it's like wish Chris Evans. (laughs) I mean, that's that's like a low budget. That's like Walmart Chris Evans. (laughs) (laughs) It's like mom says, no, we've got Chris Evans at home. (laughs) So he finds this mirror... Like in most movies where he's his current age, he's sexually frustrated. I assumed uh, him watching people get it on, including um, fat, sloppy truckers with their uh, ladies of the night. Um, Yeah, I was like... Sex worker. Sex worker, there we go. Thank you, Nick. (laughs) 
Yeah, you gotcha. Um, <laughs> I really expected to see some heavy breathing and like <sighs> behind the mirror uh, jacking it, but no, it's a classy film. There's no jacking it. Uh, I don't know. Like during that SM scene, he's just sitting there and like, it's almost like he's doing dance moves because at one point, like his face is profiled to the mirror and then like really abruptly and quickly just whips it right back in and he's looking and it's like, He's voguing. Yeah. The first time is where they had like the weird angelic chorus going. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, it's like the worst horny pairing. I know. It would have been so much better if it was like some lost place. Thou shalt not kill. That'd be good. And then that guy with the saxophone and the chains wrapped around his chest could come out and just start playing in the room. You know, Sexy Saxman went on his first solo tour recently. This is a hard <laughs> departure from the movie, but... I think we might need that. Yeah. Uh, he went on his first tour. That's like, awesome. Released his own solo album. and Is it just Careless Whisper for 40 minutes? <laughs> no, but that would be pretty good. So there are a couple of recurring people who come to the motel, including a young woman who seems to just stay there now and is visited by the sex worker dominatrix a couple times and after the second time she's immediately nabbed by a guy in a black mask and all black co- clothing who we later found out was there the whole time watching so i don't understand that whole she only went once because they only talked about her as like our first customer and then uh she had a guest which was the sex worker and <laughs> <laughs> that took some work <sighs> it was hard and then she disappeared after that, never to be seen. But the sex worker came back a few times. Yeah. Do we have a name for her? I don't want to keep saying sex worker. That's probably a good idea. I hate giving them names, but... <laughs> <laughs> Peter, can you cut my laugh from that joke? <laughs> hey, Peter, can you turn his laugh up? Yeah. Make it Amplify. real. Yeah, just Double it. <laughs> cut in every laugh from yeah. the entire All episode. All laughs. That's going to make me feel so good. I'm going to be like, that joke fucking rocked. God, I don't remember it being banger. that good in the moment, but ugh, everybody knows I'm funny. Um, but the young woman wind, winds up dead, and that's when we find out that there's been other murders. Well, murder at this motel. When we're introduced to Howard, Mark Blucas's character, the friendly cop. Who was also Buffy's boyfriend and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's what he looked familiar from. All right. I did not remember that. Um, Josie called that like immediately. I do. I'm not surprised. I recognize it now. I do like his way of questioning uh, Ray as to whether Ray was involved. You do it? Did you do it? Did I do what? Did you do it? Did I I do what? Did you? But he's not even questioning him about this like recent one. He's questioning him about some chick who disappeared like... A month or two months or some shit like that. No, they found her body in the pool. Well, like, okay, she was killed previously. Coincidentally, right after Ray visited the first time and someone recognized his truck. Yeah, there's some creepy mechanics across the street. There's a whole plethora of potential suspects that they spend no time on or even build up that maybe they did something. So it's a murder mystery without... The mystery? Yeah, it's a murder mystery with four characters. Yeah. One of which is potentially going to be a victim. Yeah, like, one of the the truck stop guys is, like, this really creepy skinny boy who's like, I don't think you should be here. And it's like, is he supposed to be a red herring? That's the fucking worst. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody here except you. Yeah. I watched it this morning, so. There's just nothing of substance to, like, 
string along the mystery. There's a weird scene at the end. So the original motel owner just disappears. Like they were supposed to get there in the beginning of the film and get the key from him. He left the key outside in an envelope and booked it. Ray finally finds him and goes out to the desert to meet him. I got a real question here about how he finds him. Because like uh, Ben is saying like, you called everybody in town looking for me. It's like, what town? It's like it's, the last time they there's talked. five people in this town. Well, the last time they talked, it was like he was at some mysterious bar. Yeah. You don't see any like exterior. And he uses the landline. How the fuck? Like, did he just star 69 this fucking bar and then call the entire municipality? We're like, And this is when things are starting to get like even weirder and Ben is so unhinged and like scanning him with like a radon detector to see if he's wearing a bug. And I'm just like, is this going to be a weird Nick Cage from the future situation? Now, we don't actually know that he wasn't always that way. That's, That's a good point. Because we mean, spent no time with this character. Yeah, we know he had a a secret like pervert tunnel and he called it a sociology experiment. That was pretty great. Chef's kiss to that one. That yeah. was a great line. Well played. That's marketing, baby. Every time I watch fat truckers in there, this hurts. Breathe. I can't. Why do they keep putting them in movies <laughs> to talk about? Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of this. Yeah. It's like watching Nicolas Cage drink. It's in every movie except oh, yeah. Ghost Rider. He also has a drinking problem. No, wait. Oh, the wife we... has a uh, pill problem. Pill problem. Yeah, and he's a bit of a drunk. But like, and holy fuck, his numbers. drunk acting has gotten so bad yeah. by comparison uh, to Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, it's so shitty. Well, we can talk about that more in uh, Color Out of Space. <laughs> That's a different one. I can even give him like props for a weird performance on that. Like, I made a specific note about how bad his drunk acting was in this movie. This was definitely of that we're just, this is a paycheck movie, it felt like. Yeah, I I didn't see anything that really made me think, like, there was a a draw to this. Yeah, we do get to see him bone down again. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, and a nipple. We saw a nipple. Yeah. Ooh, we did see a nipple. I, yeah, my note on that was another day, another Nick Cage hump scene. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say another day, another nipple. And I was like, nice. Oh, remember the dream he had about the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> about banging the Hispanic sex worker lady? She was a cleaning lady. <laughs> oh, oh, no, that's right. <laughs> I get it all confused. Uh, cleaning lady. She was cleaning something. I forgot about that scene. <laughs> yeah, that was... Good and weird. And then, like, she shows up, like, wakes him up from his dream, yeah. knocking on the door, and it's like, ugh. And it, so it turns out watching uh, other people get it on uh, is what he needed to reignite the flame in his marriage. Uh, I don't think that's really reigniting the flame. I think that's just working out frustration. Yeah. Oh, and then at one point, like, she thinks he's having another affair. She's, like, back on pills, and she's freaking out, and he's just sh- shaking her. Yeah, and he says my favorite we, line from the movie, which is "cool off," and he like drags her into the shower and like turns on the shower. Yeah, my favorite yeah. line because yeah, there aren't a lot of good ones in this. No, Tommy's got them all. Yeah, we should probably mention like why there's this whole like uh, frustration and relationship issue. It's like in their past, their backstory, which gets uh, it's so weirdly like just rushed through in a series of like a couple sentences and then 
like brought back up yeah. briefly by the later. Cop. Bad but, cop, by the way. Yeah. Nicholas Cage and his wife used to have this daughter. She was two. One day while the mom, Maggie, was watching the kid, she was all hopped up on pills. And Cage goes over to the neighbor and humps the neighbor. The kid ends up, while unsupervised, falling out of a window and dying. Boom. So they decide, I guess, to go to this new town, buy a hotel, motel, holiday inn. And uh, <laughs> you beat me there. I just had to be done. Uh, it wasn't a holiday inn. It was a motorway. Then, like, try to start new and fresh where nobody knows that he's an adulterer. Yeah. She's a bill popper and they killed their child through negligence. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. And the cop uses that against him when trying to, like, get him to either one confess or find out where Ben is. Again, there's no subtlety to this performance. So after Ray finds Ben in the desert, Ben's about to tell him something, but gets shot out of nowhere. And then, and you see a car what like, looks plus. suspiciously like a cop car driveway. No, it wasn't a cop car, but now it's just generic, like old sedan. But yeah. he comes back to the motel. Cops there. His apartment is like has been tossed, and he sees the blue sex light on in room ten. It is weird how that room just has like a light specifically for when people for are when fucking. people are boning down. Yeah. yeah. So he goes into the crawl space to find his wife is handcuffed to the bed and the cop has been the villain all along he killed both girls because he's a piece of shit i assume it's a power thing yeah so his plan was to shoot ray as soon as ray came through the door then rape and kill the wife Mm -hmm. and then make it look like a murder suicide yeah which if you shoot a guy as he walks in a door the coroner would have questions Unless he is the corner, because there are only five people who live in this like town. But also, it's one of those like really contrived moments too, where he's explaining his whole master plan to her yeah. while Nick Cage is watching through the two-way mirror. He's behind the glass. He should have a gun, but he like knocks on the glass, so the cop comes over, and then he tackles the cop through the glass. When he could have just shot him, yeah, because in the end, he shoots him anyway. It makes the most sense in my head. That the cop had his gun because of... They were the same gun, I think. Criminal science investigation. But again, if you shoot, like, it's hard to, like, suicide from across the room. Which I'm pretty sure this director did direct some episodes of NCIS. Mm. Um, I mean, that doesn't make it better for me. So yeah, kills a cop, gets his wife, gets her in the car... Trucker comes in, asks if room 10's available. They don't say anything. Get in the car. Yeah, they're just they drive off. Beat and, up and bloody. Yeah, <laughs> and then... Can I fucking 10, please? And then a slow... Yes! Oh, I hated... Then the slow... Yes! The end at the it, end. Incredible. Just I just... Zooms I have, in from the horizon. Yeah. The end, slow zooming in. Fucking gold. Yeah. It was so hokey. God, God I love it. real bad. I mean, really, the only thing I have to say about this film is this could be the same generic action cage from uh red rock west yeah like if like, you if you just took that that concept of him just rolling into small towns yeah. doing a thing having to deal with something and then rolling out yeah like fucking for sure but red rock west was so good yeah yeah and this was bad i think the thing that bugs me about this is like the movie's not actually like bad mm-hmm. it's just not good it's mm-hmm. so middling it's just written so poorly but also, what's their plan now? Are they just on the run forever because they just drive out of town? There's a dead cop. Yeah, they still own that fucking motel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The I other know. owner's dead in the desert. 
Maybe they went to the cop shop. Uh, we don't know. Again, <laughs> terrible cop. Oh, and so, yeah. And it is a bad cop. The cop assumes that uh, Ben had witnessed the first murder, and that's why he was so eager to sell the motel and get out of Dodge. Again, it's just a bad written film. Yeah, it's got fucking holes. So I did have one kind of and tunnels. visceral yeah. scene, visceral um, reaction to this movie where I was actually kind of like ooh, creeped out is when he first gets to the motel and he's walking around with a flashlight just inspecting the place. In my early 20s, a local businessman in my neighborhood bought a corner motel in the middle of San Francisco, was going to renovate it and stuff, but needed cheap people to watch it for a couple nights just to make sure like there were no squatters. So some friends of mine and I agreed for like 50 bucks to like hang out in an empty motel for a weekend. Uh, and we that just had to like fucking awesome. It, it it was, but we had to walk the perimeter like every couple hours. So three in the morning by myself walking around a motel, just shining lights in windows is a terrifying experience. <laughs> You're like, I know I'm not going to see something, but what if I saw something? I am we <laughs> and I have like I have a tiny shitty flashlight. <laughs> I think probably like the only job I've ever legitimately been fired from. I was uh, like a night desk attendant for a dorm in college somewhere. Not your college, just a college. I mean, I was going to that college. Just what I've gone to numerous. Remember, I'm, I'm a well-learned man, a well-learned construction worker. I can catcall like the best of them. I was doing night shit. So it's like I be fucking at the desk and then like have to walk around a dorm while everybody's asleep and like you're kind of listening because you're supposed to be rooting out like partiers and stuff like that Ooh, yeah they fired me because i was not because i was drunk all the time but because i was you were getting the other students drunk no i was getting too drunk on sundays so i couldn't work mondays <laughs> or like i couldn't work sunday nights were you partying in that dorm on your days off I got invited to a couple, but I couldn't remember the room number. Because you were drunk? <laughs> uh, one day, one of the Saudi students came up to me. He's like, Nick, Nick, you smell like wine. It's <laughs> like, shut up, Habibi. <laughs> I know I do. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Tommy more. <laughs> yeah, Tommy. Tommy was great. Okay. Yeah, the best Tommy line for sure was... After he and Nick Cage are talking about the pig that got thrown in the in the pool, a pig got thrown in the pool. Yeah, it was like gutted, thrown in the pool, and there was a photo of the chick who died before he owned the motorway. Yeah, uh, which I'm sure made a lot of sense to him. Uh, so they have this like very serious conversation, and then there's just a pause, and Tommy's just like, "Well, I got to do my duty to my wiener," and just sort of. Flips him some cash from the bill of his hat and takes the key and wanders off. And it's like, well, sorry, you're having a hard day and people are throwing bloody ass pig carcasses in your pool. But I'm not opposed to slipping in something dirty. So I'm going to go. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy is the MVP of this movie. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. So on IMDb quotes, there were three lines for Ray. Yeah, they're I'd like awesome. to read for them, you know. Give us all of them. <laughs> God damn you, Fox. <laughs> Stay the fuck away from my motel. <laughs> Back up. Back the fuck up. Back up. 
Well, so, okay, the stay the fuck away from my motel, I have that as my favorite quote, but um, the reason I really like that is he's he's talking to the sex worker as he's, like, confronted her in the bar. He's then, like, We pistol- never got her name. <laughs> they don't have names. It, it, her name's, like, Dirty Blonde or something. They don't even give her a credited name. Wow, that's somehow worse. But it is worse. Well, so, she gets, like, multiple names. It's Cassie oh, yeah. is the one she oh, gives right, herself yeah. at okay. the bar. But. So he he's pistol whipped the, like bartender or yeah. security guard or whatever and then he's yelling at her and he says stay the fuck away from my motel the the motorway motel oh that's right it's like yeah dude we all fucking know you, yeah and you just talked to her about you just follow also, her from she there. stays there yeah. she knows what the fucking motel is yeah i kind of want to watch the trailer of this movie and see if they actually like make it look interesting dude they didn't um because remember in episode zero before we did anything i watched 64 nick cage trailers that's one night right uh, you are the true hero uh, you didn't watch podcast. 64 you watched 75 i did you're right because i thinned the herd yeah <laughs> you called so yeah uh, i think that was pretty much anything anyone gets oh wait were there any fun facts no there weren't yeah i, I wrote box office gross seventy six thousand seven hundred eighty eight. haha <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> weirdly enough that is less money than uh, that one Raiders player made on a Pokemon card. Like, nah, I'm going to retire. I just sold this Pokemon card. Speaking of other things that don't quite make sense, the color out of space. Ooh, what a transition. We had to get there somewhere. 2020 film uh, adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's story of the same name about a meteorite that falls into a small farm outside the city of Arkham and brings along with it a strange living color that mutates the life around it. The strange color is magenta. Yeah. Okay, so I was reading a little bit about this because color interests me. And the reason they chose magenta is because it's actually a color that the rods of the human eye don't naturally absorb because it's made up of two different colors, red and blue. So... Science pod. Yeah. Yeah. Color pod. So the first thing I have to say about this film is it is beautiful. Oh, yeah. No, visually astounding film. The production quality of this movie was actually really good. Even the opening um, voiceover scene where it's just the foggy hills outside Arkham are just astoundingly shot. Yeah. The framing, the cinematography in this film is great. And it's immediately ruined by the first scene of... Oh, let's do the characters real quick. Uh, Lavinia. Yeah, Nicolas Cage plays Nathan Gardner. His wife is played by Jolie Richardson, who plays Teresa. And Madeline Arthur plays Lavinia, their daughter. Elliot Knight plays Ward, a... uh, What does he do again? Hydrologist. Hydrologist. He's a survey inspector for a, a reservoir going in. And Tommy Chong as Ezra. There's a couple other kids who aren't, I don't think we'll talk about too much. I think the three characters, like if you pulled any three characters, it's just Nick Cage, Elliot Knight, and Tommy Chong. I don't think anybody else was noteworthy enough. So beautiful, beautiful shot of the forest, which is immediately ruined by Lavinia, their teenage daughter, uh, in a cape and white dress, trying to cast spells in like a Wiccan circle. And... I just have to say, white bitches, am I right? Wasn't Wiccan. <laughs> it was Alexandrian. No, no it wasn't. It was he Wiccan. Asked if it was Wiccan or Alexandrian. Or and Wiccan. she said, guess. And he said, Alexandrian. She's like, that's your second mistake. Oh, I fucked right. that up. Yeah. That's my first mistake. <laughs> no, it's oh, your I'm... second. Your first was doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Nick, is this how you feel every time you correct me? <laughs> Powerful? Yeah. Yes. I like it. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Like the first time I 
watched the movie, we got to like that opening and I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. It's like, it's pretty, but this is bad. But then second time watching, it's like, oh, no, she's definitely like just fucking stupid high school age alternative girl, like experimenting in alternative religions and stuff like that. Well, and like which witchcraft and stuff that's all part of lovecraft's writing but it's the weakest part of his writing this movie does such a great job of like trying to build a lovecraft universe because this was supposed to be the first part of a trilogy the director of this film richard stanley yeah he made this he wanted to make two others the next the second one was going to be the dunwich horror and i believe it was going to end with call of cthulhu and he immediately got dropped from the studio for uh, domestic abuse. abuse. Allegations. Yeah. Which is a shame because... It was actually... Spoiler alert. This movie's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's no looking glass, but, you know, it'll get you there. Yeah. But really, what is? <laughs> oh, okay. Wait. <laughs> complete non-sequitur, but still... I guess it's not a complete non-sequitur. Completely <laughs> unrelated to this part of the conversation. When Nathan, Nick Cage's character, is getting interviewed by the news, <laughs> they just call him a bourbon enthusiast because he said he had had... I like to... I enjoy a glass of bourbon every once in a while. Bourbon enthusiast yeah, the, discussing the, his UFO sighting. <laughs> just fucking him on the Chiron. Oh my really god. Good. That was good. Getting back to what I was saying, this movie does a really good job of trying to, like, build the world of H.P. Lovecraft. You know, they live outside Arkham. They mention a few other uh, places. They mention Innsmouth on the news, uh, Dunwich, Kingsport, and even uh, Ward, where is a Miskatonic University, which is... Miskatonic U. Yeah, which is commonly used in Lovecraft stories, which is where the actual Necronomicon is housed. And, of course, Lavinia just has a paperback version of the Necronomicon. Yeah. Purple Rock falls out of space, has a different effect on every member of the family, and then things start getting weird. Oh, other important uh, plot point for this. They're all paca farmers. Because <laughs> according to Nick Cage, they're the animal of the future. Yeah. Alpacas are cool. The alpacas are cool. He milks them, and there's like this prolonged scene where he's talking about like how you have to be gentle and you don't get a lot out of him and he gets one good squirt and his son's just like it's a good one dad it's like i know then he offers a sip to ward and ward's like i'm not dozen dollars it's like your loss and then he just sips a warm straight from the teat my alpaca ne- milk my next note was mm, alpaca milk that's yeah, just <laughs> well you um, gotta feed him fennel it improves the taste and the yield yes speaking of fennel flavored milk speaking of a uh, groping uh the mammary glands of another creature, uh, another sexually frustrated cage in this film. Him and his wife haven't uh, that was a done it for rough fucking <laughs> segue. Yeah, dude. <laughs> this is just this is a theme in Nick Cage films, and I thought it was worth mentioning. And we were talking about milking. Also, she just had a mastectomy. That was the issue. That's rude, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got to get him somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. That was a weird plot point in this film that they bring up just to bring it up. I'm assuming it's trying to tie into the body horror later in the film, but it's done clumsily. Yeah, I mean, it's used in Lavinia's, like, justification for Lavinia's witchcraft. Because she's trying to cast a, or do a ritual to, like, keep the cancer away from her mom. Again, but that doesn't need to be anywhere in this film. Yeah, but, I mean, how do you introduce her wickedness? You just do, like, Beetlejuice. And you yeah. have, like, a depressed teen. That would have been better. I mean, nobody's gonna argue that this movie's better than Beetlejuice. 
Beetlejuice doesn't have Tommy hey, Chong playing a three times. You can't say it three times. I mean, uh oh, fuck. <laughs> we're in for a wild ride now. <laughs> it's gonna be like that cat in the hat thing all over again. Yeah. Yeah, so mom's got no boobs and daughter is a witch. This is where we left off. Son is a stoner. Yeah. Uh, youngest son uh, is a is a baby and uh, carries around his stuffed dinosaur the whole movie because he's a wimp. A baby of like 10. Yeah. But so yeah, once the rock hits, oh, and we're introduced to... The rock is not in this movie. <laughs> that would have been a much but he always different hits. movie. If the rock was just the meteor. <laughs> it's just his <laughs> stupid fucking bald head sitting in a depression. But we meet Ezra, played by Tommy Chong, who's kind of a shaman-esque individual. He has a cat named G-Spot, because of course he does. Because it's funny. I didn't think it was that funny. No. Until they couldn't find it. But they don't really lean into the joke of not being able to find the G-Spot. Right. Yeah. It's that a missed opportunity. Missed. That was my frustration with this movie. <laughs> I do like how, though, when the rock hit, when, <laughs> God damn it, when the meteorite hits and they're trying to study it, uh, they ask the hydrologist, they're like, about the space rock. Yeah, they ask him about it, and he's like, most meteorites burn up before they hit the ground. I was like, no, by definition, a meteorite hits the ground. Fucking water guys. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they got fucking water boy to... Maybe Adam Sandler should have played that role. (laughs) (laughs) Or Polly Shore. Ooh, Polly Shore does need work. Yeah, he he did a great water treatment specialist or something in, in the army now. He was something... I'm going to watch that movie. This is a Polly Shore podcast now. Hell yeah, that's what we're doing next. Cage match, a roundabout way of meeting Polly Shore. You know, we could probably do that. Way easier. Way easier Actually, if we say his name three times, he does show up. Polly Shore, Polly Shore, Polly Shore. (laughs) God damn it. I'm going to put some Polly Shore clip in there. (laughs) (laughs) Buddy. I can't do a good Polly Shore. Polly Shore can't do a good Polly Shore at this point. So the reason they need the hydrologist, though, is because the meteorite starts to get into the water, and that's where things go bad. Like, uh, these pink magenta plants start popping up everywhere. Uh, There's these, like, fist-sized praying mantises that start flying around. The landscape changes over the course of the film, and it's subtle at first, and by the end of it, there's, like, alien trees that sway and eventually, like, grab a sheriff off the ground and stab him in the eye. Mm -hmm. This is the first time in a while we've seen full cage. He really had a... Good performance with a lot of uh, excitable faces and stuff. Yeah, okay, let, let's talk about that a little bit. So, Well, he goes from, like, doting husband and just kind of soft-spoken father to... Yeah, like an aw shucks he, dumb fuck. He's such a nerd dad. Yeah, and then he just, like, not only does he have mild mood swings, but his accent changes and, like, his tone is all up and down. The, his performance is all over the place, and I love it. So I'm going to back us up just for a second because this is one of my one of my few notes. Um, the way it affects everybody is different. Yeah. Like some of them drink the water or whatever. Some of them are eating fruit. But one of the things that happened with him is he's taking a shower and a weird like cum monster rolls oh, on him. Uh, it looked like a scoby, which uh, yeah. for other it did. Yeah, which is also why I fucking hate kombucha because scobies are gross. Yeah, come cum, at me hippies. Cum monsters. Yeah. <laughs> not hippies scobies some of the subtle touches with how the color gets into things at one point he's pouring himself a bourbon and you can see the color in the ice there was a lot of subtlety with how the shapeless amorphous monster was throughout this whole movie and i thought it was a really nice touch like by the end of the film like the fog is you know the color i liked the slow 
encroaching dread. Everybody dies in horrid ways. I think the worst being uh, the youngest son and the mom who get grabbed by the light, by the color, and uh, fuse together. Yeah, it was like a real Cronenberg body horror yeah. thing. Like, it makes me want to go watch, like, Naked Lunch. Every once in a while, I get this, like, wild thought. I'm like, I'm going to watch Naked Lunch. And then I sit on it for a minute, and I'm just like, I am not ready to watch Naked Lunch again. <laughs> it's like, I watched it in high school once, and I think that was about it for me. I just rewatched The Fly the other week, and it was like, okay, that was a great movie. The, I'm done for a while. Yeah. The son thinks he hears their dog in the well, climbs into the well, gets grabbed by the light, the color. That's fucking weird. I want to go back. Like, I know he's uh, being affected by the color yeah. out of space. And, uh, haha. But he's like, oh, I hear Sam, the dog, down in the well. I'm going to. I'm going to climb down there and get him. And Lavinia's like, you're a fucking idiot. Don't do that. And he's like, no, I'll go down there and I'll put our dog, who's like a fucking Australian shepherd or something. In the bucket. In the bucket. And you can bring him up. It's like, it's a fucking bucket. It's not even a five gallon bucket. Also, you could see down into that well. Yeah. There's no dog down there. Yeah. But no, he's a dummy. Oh, the alpacas get fused into like this giant homunculi of alpaca heads. Mm -hmm. Also, the dog's totally in there. Because we see the dog growl a few times at the light, and you see those same, like, snarling teeth in the alpaca monster. There's a big close-up of them. Yeah. But- uh, Nick Cage takes a shotgun to the alpaca monster, and that's pretty bloody. That's fun. Uh, he tries to sacrifice his daughter to the mother-son. This is starting to sound like a Pornhub review. <laughs> yeah. uh, I got one good laugh this podcast. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Throws Lavinia in the attic with the mom-son creature. Nick Cage gets a hole put through his chest by uh, the sheriff who shoots him. He, had some... he, was, he was aiming for the color, but like you're you're shooting light coming out of a well. Like, yeah. Probably not going to work. Maybe. I don't know. I don't um, know fucking aliens. Ezra gets... I mean, they're not necessarily aliens. They're eldritch horror. <laughs> Excuse me. You're right. <laughs> please. Eldritch horrors out there. Please forgive me. Ezra tries to record the creatures underground that came on the meteorite. And when they find his body, he's all desiccated and his eyes are missing. So listening to the recording of him was creepy. Yeah. Like I was watching it downstairs by myself and like the the whole thing just was unsettling Mm -hmm. because his voice is sort of speeding up and slowing down in this weird, horrible way. Which I, the whole listening to the things underground is a nod to another Lovecraft story. The reason I was so excited for this movie to come out initially is because it that is my favorite lovecraft short story mostly because it's the least problematic <laughs> i don't know if you knew this uh people hp lovecraft was a horrible racist even for the time other racists were like you're making us look bad <laughs> i want to talk about my favorite thing about this film the only survivor is the hydrologist who's the black guy also his name is ward phillips which is short for howard phillips as in howard phillips lovecraft so Fuck you, you dead old racist. They named uh, the main black character after you, and they didn't kill him. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Um, And Lavinia gets sucked up into the color when it goes back into space. Nick Cage, like, springs back to life and tries to kill Ward, and he hides in the wine cellar and has a vision of an alien planet, which, really cool final shot. Although, my favorite shot of this film is when Ward is digging his way out from under the house, and there is no color left in the earth. It is oh, all yeah. just white. Like the only color on screen is him. Yeah. Well, there's like a 
a radius. Yeah, and then it zooms out. You see a radius. And like, yeah, yeah, that was cool. That's now, a, that was a powerful just visual. Visually, this film astounding. Yeah, I didn't look up anything from the DP. Uh, the director, I did look at a bunch of his stuff. Almost exclusively music videos and documentaries about the paranormal. Weird. Yeah. Well, he does have three other feature films to his name. The first two being schlock horror films. The third being the original director of The Isle of Dr. Moreau. Technically not to his name. He's uncredited because he got fired. Like I said, original director, but then got fired like two days into, into shooting. Yeah. Hasn't had a feature length film since. Got this. Was really good. Pretty well received. And then immediately got canceled. And the DP also is mostly music videos. That makes sense with like the the visual appeal of this movie. This movie also did come out during the pandemic. Estimated budget of $6 million. Worldwide gross, just over a million. So even if the guy wasn't canceled, probably weren't going to see those next two movies anyway. Yeah, that's fair. Beautifully shot film and a lot of really good CG for $6 million bucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it kind of goes to show what you can actually do on a budget. I yeah. Mean, it, it makes you think of like the old Sam Raimi movies and stuff like that, where you were really just having to be clever with what you had. Your resources were limited and you were stuck with it. And then the Blank Check podcast talks about this all the time. It's like once you start having too much money, mm-hmm. nobody ever goes backwards. Like yeah. You never go back to your old skill set and your like ingenuity. Yeah. You're always just like, more! Let's do fucking mocap! I like, do think there was a good like nod like, to Sam Raimi in the film with the tree killing the uh, sheriff. Ward and the sheriff are like running away from Ezra's shack and then you just see like this quick swoop of an alien branch just pick him up. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's gone. I think this was a really good just nod in general to old school horror. Yeah. In general. It, this movie did a lot better at building up suspense and thrills than Looking Glass. We know roughly what Nick Cage is expected to make on a film. Nick Cage did this film because he's always wanted to make a Lovecraft film because his father was a big fan of Lovecraft's writing. Yeah. Uh, Also, same producers as Mandy and one other film. So that probably explains how they got Nick Cage for it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Mandy, actually. Uh, Yeah. It's down the line for us. Mom and Dad, I believe. Mom and Dad, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. This one does have some quotable Cage. It does. It's got some really good ones. Uh, I don't know. I wrote down a bunch. I got two of my more favorite ones. Uh, My first one is... uh, so. At one point, the wife cuts off a finger. They go to the hospital. They come back the next night. The youngest son's outside. Lavinia and the older brother are both have had weird, like, time-lost experiences, so they don't know what the fuck's going on. The alpacas are out, so Nick Cage is just losing it. And he just gets mad at his uh, daughter, and he's like, get the fuck out of my sight. You know what? I'll save you the trouble and get the fuck out of yours. Yeah, yeah that was when he fully transitioned into the weird voice. Yeah. Like, his his possessed voice was, like douchebag teenager he went no he went straight back to gary that was gary voice that was gary voice i didn't even connect to that but you're right it was gary nick let's just do a round robin we'll just go until we run out okay i think it was after like the mom cut her fingers off or something Teresa, the mom and nathan are in the car or something and Teresa's like i don't know how you could still be interested in me and nick's like you know, I've always been a leg man. And Teresa says, so if I had both my legs cut off, you'd still love me, right? It's like a bit kinky, but yes, that's a good quote. Oh, oh I think they were talking about her mastectomy. It was the mastectomy. This is my quote too, but the, the second piece of it at the end of it is a bit kinky, but yes. 
I could tuck you into my carry-on luggage oh. and enjoy you wherever I go. Yeah, that's right. Weird. I forgot that. That's such a good line, though. Yeah. I mean, that I make those jokes all the time, so this seems really reasonable. Yeah, so one that you texted me about, Nick, was, do you have any idea how much those, al- oh. those animals cost us? They are alpacas. Alpaca! Oh, that's there's the whole line, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. I do like him talking about his father. You'll never be a painter, Nathan. So just get the fuck out of my sight, Nathan. There's just some weird line reads in this film, and I'm here for it. Yeah. I feel like it's been a few episodes where we haven't gotten to see a true cage out. We haven't gotten a lot of the weird line reads and really weird dialogue. So this was a nice return to form. We had another, like, roof punching, like, in the car scene. Uh, Classic. What does he say when the the car won't start? He's like, the car's not going to happen. What do you mean it's not going to happen? Oh, yeah. So I saw this movie in 2020. Like, it was on Amazon. I rented it and loved it because, like I said, it's my favorite Lovecraft short story. This film is really where I kind of got the idea for this podcast because I remember seeing it and I'm just like, man, Nick Cage is great in this. He's all over the shop, but he is great. And that's kind of what got me into the whole idea of the cage assaults. And the films he's done since then have all been wacky and wonderful. I started looking more into his old catalog and I thought, like, this is... This is something worth my time. I hope I make friends in this new city that I can force them to do it with me. Well, I sat, you on, got that, us, I sat so. on that for two years before I asked you guys to do this because <laughs> I wanted you to be my friends. Now you're stuck with me. <laughs> I didn't want to ruin it too soon. Shit. <laughs> Shit. I don't know. I think we have a fairly definitive answer as to what's going up forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely color out of space. Yeah. It was a good one. It's it's a complete package. It's a good film. It's a really enjoyable movie. Yeah. It's it's good to look at. It's well made. I don't think I really had like nitpicky issues with it. I think it's it's a pretty clear like contender to move forward. Yeah. Great practical effects, great CGI. And again, done on a budget. Like mm-hmm. let's get more like weird horror. Someone else pick up this mantle. There is so little done with Lovecrafting horror. I mean, I guess the whole selling point of it is these are unknowable things that you can't see and a random color is a good place to start. Yeah, to be poisoned by a color is uh, really something. I liked it. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, What do we got on the docket for next time, Peter? Next up, we have Drive Angry and Stolen. So, I mean, it's the tough guy bracket, which, you know, obviously we don't think that he's the best at being a tough guy. I don't know. I mean, there's some there are some solid movies in that tough guy section, like Con Air. Yeah, that's true. He was a pretty he was a really good tough guy in Red Rock West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't even a character. He was just a generic tough guy. John Toughman. Well, I think that's the thing. It's like he does play that role well. Yeah, but it's it's when he's trying to be like it's the same reason I have issues with Liam Neeson as a tough guy. I just don't fucking think he is. He's just a big man. Yeah. I just don't think Nick Cage is a real tough guy. But when he plays like kind of a badass, like in Con Air, it works. Because... Or Jiu-Jitsu. His best tough mm. guy. Yep. Get off my piano. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> my friend Nathan asked we do this. Uh, if these movies are available at the time of this recording, mm. uh, I watched Looking Glass on Hulu. It's streaming there. I have it on DVD. I'm sorry. And Blu-ray. Nice. And Blu-ray. It was, it, was it a twofer? Was it a two-pack? Or did you buy two copies of it because you were high? Uh, no, it's actually just Blu-ray, but uh, thanks for calling me out on that. I said DVD first erroneously. What a dork. Uh, I rented... I Nick had to rent, Cage's meaty dork. 
<laughs> and I had to rent the color out of space on uh, Amazon. So uh, if you're listening to this now and want to watch uh, the loser of this week, uh, it's on Hulu. Or you could come to my place. Yeah, but watch I'm it. I'm going to tell you where. Yeah. You know that uh, that should be. Uh, that's that's the like premium tier yeah. in Patreon. Side note: If you want to support us on Patreon, you can pitch us some money and join the Sparkle Buddy tier for five bucks a month. It helps. The premium tier is only ten dollars, and you get to go over to Nick's house once a month to watch a Nick Cage film. And I'll watch you watch it from behind a mirror. A two-way mirror. No, it, it's a one-way mirror. I'm just gonna peek around the corner of it. I'm just gonna <laughs> hold it in place. <laughs> is this sexy yet? Yeah, okay, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for listening. Um, please uh, like this on whatever platform you listen here to. If you haven't reviewed it, give us a review. Uh, tell people how much you enjoy us. And if you hate us, tell people how much you enjoy us. Otherwise, we're going to come to your house and annoy you more. Yeah. No, that's that's perfect. Yeah, I think we're, we're oh, out. <laughs> also, tell your friends. You're expecting people that listen to us to have friends? Yeah, I have friends. I mean, they're both in this room, but I have them. Yeah, That's true. It, it took you two years to make those friends to get us in this room. I mean, you thought you asked me to do this. <laughs> That's true. All right. Fun little <laughs> anecdote. Nick, I always thought Nick would be the best co-host for this because... Because my name's Nick. Yeah. And he's, right. he's and this up... this is with Nick and Sean, and so it would have been really complicated otherwise. Of, of all of our friends, uh, Nick is the most uh, biddable. Nickel ride or die on a dumb bit. Um, so I assumed I asked you first. I thought you said no for some reason, which I was kind of butthurt about for a while. And then one day uh, you and I were driving back from somewhere and I mentioned this to you and you're like, yeah, I do that. I'm like, wait, haven't I asked you that? And you're like, no. Yeah. So here we are. All right. Uh, we love you, Nick Cage. Um, we hope one day to meet you. Uh... And smell you. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll quack you out. I say that like I have any kind of control over the editing process. Well, don't worry. I'll take care of this in post. <laughs> I just Soon come in and sabotage the hard drive. <laughs> Job well done. <laughs>